Welcome to Marvel Studios News. My name is Sean Gerber. Joining me shortly will be my co-host, Paul Herman. This is episode 66 of our show. We reach one of our favorite stops on this road to Avengers Infinity War. We're going to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, directed by James Gunn from 2014. But before we get started, I have some people to thank. I would like to thank Jerry Kowalski, Jason Johnson, Eric Clements, and Caleb Morris. Those are our latest patrons on the Patreon page that we have. It's patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. So they, along with the rest of our patrons, now have access to all kinds of really cool and fun exclusive content, including Patreon credit scenes, which is where we take this regular episode that we're doing, and then we continue the conversation on the road to Infinity War, we've been adding in what connects the film we just talked about. So for this week, it's Guardians of the Galaxy. And what bring what connects that over to Avengers Infinity War and then, of course, Avengers 4 next year. So we'll be doing that again in this week's Patreon credit scene. But we're also going to be talking about some of the latest Marvel news. And in this one, we talk about some changes to Thanos' motivation based on what's going to happen in Infinity, War com- in, in Infinity War compared to the comics. And then we also talk a little bit about kind of the Star Wars-esque treatment that Disney seems to be giving Infinity War in terms of the way it looks like they are going to roll this film out when it comes to marketing and the publicity tour and press screenings and all that stuff. So we have plenty of information on that to discuss. We also do exclusive episodes, including our Black Panther Q&A episode that will be coming up very, very soon. It's already been recorded, so it will be posted very soon. Uh, Again, on our Patreon page, which you can check out. And maybe the coolest thing about being one of our patrons is that you don't have to get the regular show and then go track down your exclusives elsewhere. When you are one of our patrons, you'll get your own private RSS feed. Uh, It's an HTML link that you can use. You can insert that in any podcatcher that lets you subscribe directly through RSS like Apple Podcasts. So if you do that, then you'll get the main show and all of the exclusive bonus Patreon content all in one spot, so it's super easy and it'll pop up however you're subscribing to uh, your podcast, at least if you can subscribe directly through RSS. So that's a really cool feature that hopefully you'll all be excited about, and I hope you check it out again at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. And then make sure you keep up with us every single day. I'm posting articles about the MCU at marvelstudiosnews.com. And make sure you also check us out and give us a follow on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. And then go over to Facebook at Marvel Studios News and give us a like. And if you see us posting articles, be sure to comment and share, especially when we post uh, our podcasts on there. So make sure you do that because that really, really helps us out. And of course, we appreciate any support you can give, especially the support you've already given by beginning to listen to this show. So if you're still here and you didn't leave after this little opening spiel, and I wouldn't pro- probably wouldn't blame you if you did, uh, but if you are still here, I'm glad you are, and let's go ahead and get on with our show. So Paul, you ready to get hooked on a feeling? Um, you, not are, from are, someone, are you high like, on believing? Not from someone from Lake Stevens, no. <laughs> uh, this is going to be the best buildup ever. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Uh, it really is. <laughs> so as we continue on our road to Infinity War with Guardians of the Galaxy, the 10th film from Marvel Studios, this is our 11th stop, though, because we skipped ahead to Black Panther. And yeah, Looking at the build-up to Guardians of the Galaxy, I know, obviously, you've got stuff to, to cover. I've got plenty of stuff to cover with Guardians of the Galaxy. I think this is 
probably the biggest and most sentimental buildup uh, for many, many reasons for Guardians uh, with Guardians of the Galaxy for me of any of these shows that we're going to do on this road to Infinity War. But before we got to do, before we get into that, I got to take it one step at a time, or I'm just going to forget everything <laughs> that I know I want to talk about yeah. on this show before we even get to the movie itself. So first things first, let's just talk with the idea. Let's talk about the idea of a Guardians of the Galaxy movie mm-hmm. because as we were thinking about Phase One and Phase One was coming to a close with Avengers and dreaming about the idea of Phase Two. I remember people were talking about kind of that next generation of Marvel movies being Ant-Man just because that had been around forever since the very beginning with Edgar Wright. Because remember back then, this was still Edgar Wright. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, so Ant-Man with Edgar Wright and Doctor Strange was always just kind of hovering uh, around, no pun intended for like his abilities. But, you know, like Doctor Strange was just always kind of there as this thing that was kind of on the the back burner for the MCU. And of course it would stay there through all of phase two, but we didn't know that at the time. Um, and maybe, maybe black Panther, like those were kind of the, the franchises that I remember thinking about for the second phase of the Marvel cinematic universe, besides the obvious stuff of sequ- uh, sequels to the characters who got movies in phase one. Um, but I remember, I don't remember if it was Latino Review or somebody else. I think it was Latino Review. Like a month before Comic-Con in 2012, they broke the story that Guardians... It was Latino Review. It was. That Guardians of the Galaxy was on the radar for... And and like actually like on the bubble of one of the movies that Marvel was thinking of doing next or during Phase 2. And I was pretty dismissive of it at the time. (laughs) I just thought, "Eh, that seems thin. Like that we've actually heard... Kevin Feige mentioned things like Ant-Man and, and Doctor Strange. We've never really heard him mention Guardians of the Galaxy. So, I mean, I didn't completely dismiss it and say there's no way that's going to happen. But I, when that news first broke, I don't remember putting a whole lot of stock in it. You know, it's funny. I remember Latino Review. I'm not, I'm not sure what happened to him. I have not seen him like in a long, long time. Oh, they, uh, everybody who like was on that site, like it got sold to another place, and everybody who was making that site, I think just about everybody who was making that site, who it was, have gone on to other stuff. Fair, I, I, that's what I thought. But I do know they were legit for a long, long, oh, yeah, long they, time. They got the Heath Ledger scoop, man. They got the, yeah. the scoop of scoops with Heath Ledger's Joker in Dark Knight. So yeah, it wasn't because like I was questioning them as a source. They had proven themselves in terms True. of scoops. But it, even in their case, you know, you don't. Not every scoop lands. You know, if you play, no, that yeah. game, if you play that game long enough, even if you get most of them right, you'll get some wrong. And their right. scoop, their scoop wasn't. Oh, it's definitely going to be Guardians. Their scoop mm-hmm. was this is like this has a good chance. So yeah, it, it was just one of the things like maybe it has a good chance, but I don't know that it's going to win. Well, it was interesting because I remember reading that, and I and, and being you know the Marvel zombie that I am, I was reading the, the current Guardians of the Galaxy comic books, and I remember reading about it. And I remember being like, wow, and I remember it was it was a big piece, and I remember. It was um, they got a lot of flack. not a lit, they got a lot of flack, but like I know it was when I was reading it, it was very detailed. I remember mm-hmm. um, it wasn't just like a hey, Guardians of the Galaxy is 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 mentioned. It had like details of like yeah. the characters and and who was it was written by Nicole um, forgot her name Nicole uh, Perlman for Nicole Perlman Nicole Perlman and uh, they said that it was a great script that marvel love and and all that and i was like huh that's interesting and i remember being like i hope that pans out because i love 
I love the cosmic Avengers stuff they were doing in the comic books at the time. And that was, you know, the, the, what you pretty much see today. And, but, you know, I remember being like, that would be, I just remember saying, wow, if that's the case, that's pretty amazing. And wow, that these characters are all C listers. So this is going to be interesting, but I just, but like you said, Sean, it was only like a rumor. It wasn't like guaranteed at that time. No, I mean, it was one of those things where I just looked at it and thought, sure, that'd be cool. But I was just, I just wasn't looking at that as something that was definitely going to happen just because, you know, and it was obviously wrong, but I just kind of had that assumption of, well, we've heard about other stuff more frequently. And so maybe that'll be it. But that just kind of shows the way Marvel works, which is they develop a lot of stuff. And, and they also had at the time, they don't have this anymore, but they had the writer's program at the time. And that's where Nicole Perlman came from. She was in that, not like that's the only thing she ever did, but at the time she was at Marvel and guardians of the galaxy was the thing that she had picked, uh, that she had picked up on. And and she was the one, you know, got to give a lot of credit to James Gunn, obviously, but uh, I give, you know, there's a ton of credit that also has to go to Nicole Perlman because she was the one yep. who picked the lineup, which was that 2008 Abnett and Lanning, a.k.a. Albert and Albert Landmine. And Landmine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, it was their run that had, because, uh, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy was, for all those years from, you know, 1969 and, and onward, Charlie 27, Yondu, Martin X, characters that we finally saw in, in Volume 2. Um, but that's, you know, the lineup that we got in the movie, Star-Lord, Rocket, Gamora, Groot, Drax, that was all, and then eventually uh, Mantis in Volume 2, that was all stuff that was the more recent Guardians book that started in 2008. So, um, you know, but she had come up through there, and that was where Guardians kind of developed. And and then, of course, it became this thing. And obviously, Marvel felt good enough about the script that even before hiring James Gunn, they were ready to move forward with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. When they announced it, though, at Comic-Con officially, I remember thinking, well, now that they've announced it, um, it I remember joking about it. And I don't remember if we, if I ever said this on a podcast or if I just said it to myself and laughed. But just like, oh, man, now they really think they can do anything because they just made all that money on Avengers. <laughs> like, um, and I remember they had some concept art, and I was like, yeah, those are the guys. Um, and I won't lie and say that I was a super huge Guardians fan at the time. Like, I knew who they were. Um, but I didn't necessarily, I wasn't fully read up on that Albert and Landmine, uh, run. I, <laughs> I, I got caught up right after that announcement though. Like I bought all those issues on comiXology and every, and wherever in like trades, whatever I had to do to catch up. Cause it really isn't that long. It's like 25 no. issues plus, uh, some crossover issues within humans. And then the Thanos imperative event, like it's really not a very mm-hmm. long run. Um, so I remember getting caught up on that. And just thinking, oh, man, this is, a, this is such a cool book. First off, I thought, why haven't I read this before? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I was very excited about the idea, and especially the more I got to know who those characters were. But the other thing that excited me the most was that Marvel was still taking chances. Mm-hmm. Because I would have, I would have at, that, at that time, I would have almost excused it if they had said, you know what? We took our gamble. We took our gamble by making all these movies in phase one and bringing them all together with the Avengers. And a lot of people weren't sure that we could do it. We might not have even been sure if we could do it, but it worked and it paid off. So from now on, we're just, or for at least for now, we're just going to go ahead 
and we're going to play it safe because we we had the gamble that worked. Now we can just enjoy the fruits of that labor by just making Iron Man sequels, Cap sequels, Thor sequels, and Avenger sequels. And that's what we'll do for now. And then when we can come up, when something else comes along, we'll we'll do that. But we'll keep things within this same kind of Avengers realm. And the fact that they were willing to go completely outside of that to make a movie about a bunch of characters that even most Marvel comic book fans were not super familiar with if they were familiar with them at all. And I, so I remember being that that was kind of the, the ultimate thing of where I mean, not that Marvel hadn't already earned my respect, but it hit another level when they announced Guardians because I just thought, wow, they've they already took such a huge gamble. They don't really have to gamble anymore. Now they have a bunch of sure things just sitting there in their pocket. But here they are still going out taking big swings. Yeah, when when this was finally announced, I was really stoked because I remember I remember the concept art they had, and they had Star Lord and yeah. Drax and like and, Cosmic Mad Max. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "What? They're actually doing this? This is official!" And I was really excited. I was really, really, really excited for the, for the series, and because I I thought in, in my mind. Even though, as a Marvel fan, I wasn't very familiar with a lot of those characters, um, besides the last couple of years because of Annihilation, uh, comic books and whatnot. Um, I knew Rocket Raccoon a little bit. He was always a joke character mm-hmm. for a while, and I remember reading about Star, reading Star Lord and, and and Groot, and just being like, "Huh." And I, as the I saw the concept art piece, I really thought this is such a great marketable franchise. You know, because you, they look fantastic. You know, mm-hmm. they're such distinct looking characters. And Rocket Raccoon, I thought Rocket Raccoon would be bigger than Groot. I thought Rocket Raccoon was going to be, you know, like the the, the brand, you know, the yeah. smash gigantic hit, you know, which he still was. But it was, I just knew that they had a look to him that I thought that could connect to an audience. And, you know, it was one of those things where I, I just thought it was, man, Marvel is just taking chances. I'll never forget that. You know, it's people talking about we're going to see Rocket Raccoon on screen before we see Wonder Woman. And I thought that was such a, you know, man, that's that's crazy. To, it's crazy to think about. And I'm not even trying to be insulting. I'm just no, it's, it's crazy to think yeah. like what what was going on? Like Marvel just had no fear. And that, I think that's one of the things I love about Marvel Studios is that. Yeah, they may take, you know, they, they don't make always the most defining different, you know, you know, films all the time. They have a formula to an extent, to an extent, but they do take chances on different things and dynamics that I, that people, you know, in studios wouldn't do. And they weren't afraid to go all out cosmic. And that was to me what that, when they announced that at San Diego, San Diego Comic-Con was we aren't in fear of, of failing. We think this is a very marketable concept. And if I'm not mistaken, was this before the sale of Disney? Uh, or, no, this or, was, or, this was after. Still? This was after because the Disney sale had the Disney bought Marvel in two thousand nine. So this was all. Um, I mean, oh no, I, I meant Star Wars. Oh, Star Wars! Uh, just months before the Star yeah, Wars purchase months. happened in October of 2012, or at least yes. it was announced in October of 2012. Right, right. So yeah, it was de- it was definitely that. Um, now, I, I think what was what was really the next kind of big step in there was the hiring of James Gunn to direct it, which I don't think that I can't remember exactly when that came out, but not much longer. Um, maybe like a month or two after Comic Con is when we started hearing about uh, James Gunn coming in and, and doing the film. And, and I, I remember being, I remember really liking that choice 
because, uh, well, first off, I re- here's a bit of trivia. See if even you remember this. The first movie review I think it was you ever wrote for ModernMythMedia.com yep, was for James Gunn Super. Uh-huh. Um, so it was your review that got me. I was like, oh, I mean, I need to watch this. <laughs> um, <laughs> it so, is great. Yeah, it is. And I had, you know, I had liked uh, Slither and, and Super. But the other thing, I mean, what I really loved James Gunn the most for at that point, what had stood out to me was his Dawn of the Dead remake with Zack Snyder, which James, I mean, Zack Snyder directed it, but James Gunn wrote it. So, and, and James Gunn had been hired to not only direct, but also write Guardians of the Galaxy to take the script um, that Nicole Perlman had done and then go from there. And so I just thought, man, this guy's so unconventional um, and fresh. And I just, I, I think he has a great voice as a writer and, and I liked his style as a director, especially in super. So I just thought, man, this is the perfect kind of guy to come in and take guardians of the galaxy. It just felt like a good fit between uh, a filmmaker with his own very unique style and, and sensibilities and, and to match that with, a franchise unlike anything we'd ever seen from comic book movies. It just felt like uh, James Gunn felt like the perfect fit for Guardians. So I remember being pretty much that wasn't even much. There wasn't even a ton of thought process in that for me. As soon as I heard that name, I was like, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. Moving on. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm kind of with you on that one. I don't I remember being it was just kind of like, huh, Marvel's going with not a very unknown, but yet kind of a. He's, he's, he's a seasoned director in a sense to where he's done different kinds of films. And it was, it was interesting. I'm like, huh, that's a very interesting idea. And I, I never watched, I've never seen Dawn of the Dead, but I did see Slither. I did, obviously I saw Super and I like those films. He also did a movie called The Specials, which is also another superhero movie, um, with Jamie Kennedy and, uh, I've got a couple other, uh, kind of B-lister people and it's a lot of fun. Like it's, it's a fun little, like, you know, superhero film and, and I remember thinking that was, again, a more a, a very Marvel thing to do, to take a chance on a director that mm-hmm. has some, you know, some experience, you know, and but he also is, again, he's a fresh face in the, in this and and they and they wanted I almost feel like they, they want to take chances. It's like there's it's also it's a win win for them for these people because they know they have have such an inside track of what they want to do from, you know, from a what they want the film to do. But they need they need a visionary, you know, a vision, a vis- very visual director to do it. And that's what they've been. That's what they've been doing. And James Gunn fits that fits fit that mode, that mold. <laughs> I can't talk uh, really well. Yeah. And so the thing that really came into it next was the idea of who was going to play Star Lord. I mean, obviously there was curiosity for all the different roles uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy, but Star Lord being the leader of the team, that was the one that got most of the attention in the casting rumor mill. And and I remember the first name out the gate was Nathan Fillion uh, because I think fans just automatically connected that. And let's be honest, if you go back and you read those mm-hmm. 2008 Guardians books, mm-hmm. and even if you take a step farther back into like Annihilation, when they when they kind of reimagined Star Lord in the mid to late aughts, <laughs> like they <laughs> they totally were like, hey, you see that guy Malcolm on Firefly? <laughs> like anybody mm-hmm. see Nathan Fillion on Firefly? Yeah, that's our guy for Star Lord, and so you know it was kind of that thing of. Like kind of like the ultimate Nick Fury had been patterned after Samuel L. Jackson. Um, it was really that it was it was that kind of thing, and and so immediately everybody was thinking Nathan Fillion. But at the time, 
Uh, and plus, there was a connection. Like, everybody knew that uh, Nathan Fillion and James Gunn had worked together from Slither, and they were also friends. So people just kind of thought that was going to happen right away. But Nathan Fillion at the time was still starring in his show Castle on ABC. So that it was just not really going to work. And I don't even know that that was the direction James Gunn wanted to go in anyway. Obviously, we know Fillion, ha- Fillion has a voice cameo in Guardians. But... Um, and then the other name that I remember is Joseph Gordon-Levitt because Joseph there was there were a couple years there where Joseph Gordon-Levitt's name got brought up for everything, especially Marvel movies. Uh, eventually, he became part of the Ant-Man rumor mill, not just uh, not just Star Lord. And I just remember not liking that one. Like I, I, I liked Joseph Gordon-Levitt as an actor, but I just thought he's too polished to be like. I've never really seen Joseph Gordon. I guess well, there is Hesher, but like, which is a great movie, by the way. Um, but like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt just didn't seem right for Star Lord. You know, like I just didn't see him as like the space pirate. In uh, I just didn't quite connect that. Um, and then all of a sudden, I mean, there were other names, but and then all of a sudden it was Chris Pratt, and then it became like, and then not only was it like a rumor, like it was happening, and Chris Pratt was going to be Star Lord, and I just remember thinking. I had no idea that was coming, but that kind of makes sense. I thought he was hilarious on uh, as Andy Dwyer on Parks and Rec. Um, I thought it's another unconventional choice, but that's worked for Marvel in the past, and it's worked for plenty of comic book movies outside of Marvel in the past. So uh, it might just be crazy enough to might just be crazy enough to work. Now, uh, because at the time, although at the time it was harder to see the fit, when you see the film, it makes total sense because you realize that as James Gunn was adapting this and telling his version of the Guardians of the Galaxy, he went away from the Nathan Fillion stuff and just kind of made Star-Lord... Had some of that, but then also kind of allowed Star-Lord to develop... The MCU Star-Lord to have a little bit of its own identity that that meshed very well with what Chris Pratt is, is so great at. You could take that decision for granted now because now we say Chris Pratt is a big movie star. Well, this is the movie that made him a big movie star. He wasn't a big movie star when he was cast in this. And of course, James Gunn has told this story a thousand times. James Gunn didn't even want to see Chris Pratt for this role. It was actually the casting director, Sarah Finn, who has cast every single MCU movie uh, except for The Incredible Hulk, but everything else, she's done the casting for Marvel, and she also casts Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and she was the one who was just insisting on Chris Pratt and actually, and I think as James Gunn has told the story, that she had to basically trick James Gunn into seeing Chris Pratt. And then as soon as he did, knew that he was uh, that he was perfect for the role. And obviously the rest is history and we'll get to when we see the movie. But not everybody was happy nope. <laughs> about the casting of Chris Pratt. Nope. And this is where the buildup gets a little personal for Paul. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, for people who don't know, uh, Chris Pratt went to high school with me um, for, I think, uh, at least one or two years. I don't remember. I think he graduated in 96. I went there at 90. Wait, all right. I forgot what year he graduated, but I know we at least had one year of overlap and I knew he was some super popular jock guy at a, at school. And um, so, um, you know, I, I only knew his name very vaguely. And because, you know, when he left that California to be a movie star, people talked about it. And I was just like, Ugh, whatever, you know, just another idiot going down to California <laughs> for, you know, as far as I'm concerned. And then, you know, you see on, I, on Facebook periodically, you'd be like, oh, it's all Chris Brown on TV. He's on TV now. I'm like, great. I don't care. You know, I just, you know, I just don't care. And then he got on um 
Parks and Rec, and I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. You know, thinking like I don't watch that crap anyway, so I don't care. You know, you're going through, and then all of a sudden, you know, he gets announced, or he's all of a sudden his name gets attached to this, and I'm like, oh god, please do not do this to me. <laughs> and sure enough, he gets cast. And I remember there was there was a, a guy I knew. I wasn't even really friends with him. We were friends on Facebook, but like he was he's we were just whatever, barely knew each other in high school. Uh, I messaged him because I knew he was friends with Chris Pratt, and I said, "Tell him not to screw up Star Star Lord, please." And uh, you know, he goes, "Ha ha." He goes, "How did you know I knew Chris?" I'm like, "Oh, I, I, people told me." And then he promptly unfriended me a few a few months later. So <laughs> I think I don't think he liked that. Um, sorry, Curtis, uh, if you're listening. Um, but no, it, um, it was really weird for me. Um, I think for a lot, I don't know. I'm not sure if it's just if this is the same for a lot of people, but I hate having like close ties to things that I love like this. I don't want to have, I don't want to know people that are in these movies. I don't want right. to be associated. I just want to, I want to suspend disbelief when I watch these movies and not think like I went to high school with that asshole, you know, like I do not want to think that I just want to watch the movie. And I'll be honest. I was, I was pretty devastated when they cast him. I was like, no. And cause I knew, cause I, I in my mind knew or not knew, but, had a good good thought that this movie was going to be somewhat successful, and I didn't think and I didn't think it was going to be a bad movie. I thought it was going to do fairly well. I didn't. I did not predict. I could never predict what it did at all. I thought no, I'd do. Mod- nobody did. Yeah, and I thought I'd do moderately well, and and would could potentially get a sequel if, if done right. And you know, and I I knew he. I don't think he would have done a terrible job, and or anything like that. I just I didn't want to have that connection when I watched it and go, yeah, I went to high school with him. That's yeah, weird. No, I it's think just, that's fair. Yeah. I think it would be hard to watch a movie where, you know, the star of the movie is like, you know, that guy, uh, you know, like I, it's, that's why, you know, it's the only reason I'm happy. I'm not friends with Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> like, <you> know, <laughs> is that it would be really hard to watch Iron Man. And it's like, oh yeah, that's, you know, that's just my pal over there. <laughs> like, you know, I, I think it's really harder to see like, cause you want actors to disappear into roles mm-hmm. that's what's supposed to happen and it's really hard for somebody to disappear when it's a much harder when you know them and so yeah i could totally i could totally see that i mean because you want it you want the experience to be the same as it is for every other movie you watch which is you have no idea who those people are outside of yeah. the characters that they show you on screen so i i totally get i totally get that as far as the other casting um you know i remember like zoe saldana was kind of like the only choice for gamora and that was my only choice. And that was kind of, mm. it was like, yeah, like she should be the one, like she's perfect for this because not only had she been doing stuff, you know, sci-fi roles in avatar, star Trek, but she had done a lot of action roles. It just seemed like a perfect fit, like for who could play the most dangerous woman in the galaxy. Like it, it would be uh, Zoe Saldana as Gamora. That was a perfect fit. Um, I remember for Drax, there were the Jason Momoa rumors for a long time. And, and James Gunn has denied that the rule that the role was ever offered to Jason Momoa. Um, so I don't know what, you know, although James Gunn is, has never been caught in a lie to fans before. So I'll just go ahead and take his word for it on that. But I remember Batista always being a name that was around and, and I'm a big pro wrestling fan. So I knew Batista's uh, Dave Batista's work in wrestling as Batista with no U in his name. <laughs> um, and so I was I'll be honest of all the casting in guardians of the galaxy. That was the one that worried me the most because I liked Batista in WWE, 
but I didn't think he was the best guy on the mic. So like as just a big powerhouse strong guy, totally thought he was, uh, you know, like, yeah, he fits the part in terms of looking like Drax the Destroyer for sure. And he was super entertaining as a, you know, just a powerful monster type of guy in the ring for WWE. But when he got on the mic, that was not his best stuff. And, you know, he was not Dwayne Johnson. He was not, you know, he's not even John Cena, who's now starting to do more acting. He was not, uh, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin or, any, you know, some of the guys who have been able to break into some movie stuff. You know, Batista at that time wasn't as good on the microphone as those guys were. So I wasn't as confident in his acting ability. Um, so that was one of the most beautiful and pleasant surprises of Guardians of the Galaxy, of course, the as we'll get into his performance. And then um, Groot, I didn't care what the voice was. So even when Vin Diesel came in, I was like, fine, he's just going to say, I am Groot. <laughs> like, I don't, it's fine. Um, but I remember Rocket, everybody wanted like that British, like Cockney accent for Rocket. Um, and I remember one of my favorites, uh, the idea that I had, like I th- always thought Jason Statham, like in that style would have been a great rocket. Uh, but then when Bradley Cooper came into it, I was like, man, if Bradley Cooper can really throw out a voice that won't make me immediately recognize that this is Bradley Cooper, then I actually think this could work. Um, and uh, obviously we, we know that it did. But yeah, I mean, the biggest casting was definitely... Star Lord, but yeah, I think Drax was the uh, was the one that actually. I mean, I didn't have you know nobody I went to high school with was in Guardians of the Galaxy, so <laughs> for me, like my own, you know, I had the most experience in terms of you know those actors in terms of watching them. Obviously, years of watching Batista in WWE, and I wasn't convinced that he was going to be uh, ready to go as, as an actor. Yeah, the the rest of the cast was was interesting. I didn't really wasn't really. A, I'm not a huge Bradley Cooper fan. Um, not cause I think he's terrible. I just, I just don't really think he's like super amazing. He's a solid actor, you know, whatever. And, um, I was like a little bum. They, they cast him as, as rocket raccoon. Um, I didn't really have an expectation expectation to who his voice should sound like. I don't, at least I don't remember thinking there, there should be a specific like British actor or British, you know, or some kind of accent specifically with him. Um, I always just thought he just was this, you know, a wisecracking, you know, raccoon. So I don't know. I, I was pretty open for the most part, but I was at the, at the same time I wasn't like, oh, we gotta have, you know, Bradley Cooper is just weird. Um, like Gamora, Drax, you know, Zoe Zeldana, and um, but you know, Dave Batista. You know, I thought Batista was fine. I didn't think there. I honestly, I didn't think that he would have as big as a role as he did. And, you know, I, I kind of expected, okay, that makes sense. Cause in the comic book, Strax isn't a funny character. He's a very serious, like yeah. deadly character. So I felt, Oh, Batista, a wrestler, like who has probably small acting chops and can probably do okay with his, like with his like physical work. That's perfect. So I wasn't too against that idea because Drax never was like this really like in-depth character. He's just very one-dimensional. I mean, at one point in the comic books, he's like acting like the Hulk, like Drax Smash. I mean, it's pretty – He's been it's all, whatever. He's been, Drax has been all over the place in terms yes. of his comic book history. Um, yes. Yeah, agree. I mean, he's always been kind of connected to Thanos. That's where the destroyer comes from. He literally exists to destroy Thanos. He was created by Thanos's father. Um, so, or was it, was it mentor or was it somebody else who created Drax or was it 
Elon well, or somebody else. I can't. Or it's, Eros. It's, or, it's it's Eros. I want to say he was created by Eros and Star Fox's uh, dad, and that's why Star is, Fox is. Yeah, but yeah. Star Fox and Thanos have the same dad. Yeah, uh, it's weird. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, they don't have the same dad, or yeah, they both have the mentor work? from uh, from Titan. Because they're both. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. I, so it's it's comics and it's weird, um, <laughs> but but it's also beautiful. Um, but anyway, um, so yeah, like Drax is just kind of all over the place. So I knew there would be at least because of that. Like I knew there would at least be like a very wide range uh, for interpretation. So that was the kind of the one thing I thought that might uh, might work out. So you know, following all that news and, and everything about Guardians, um, I remember they, they were gonna, they were shooting in London. And they had only been shooting in London for not even a full two weeks. And they showed up at Comic-Con and showed some footage. And I, as I said, that was the same year. That was 2013. That was the same year that Tom Hiddleston showed up as Loki. I was not in Hall H that year for uh, for Marvel's panel. But I really wished I was because of that Hiddleston moment. But also because they showed up and the Guardians showed up and showed the very first footage, which was what you see in the, uh, what you ended up seeing in the first teaser. It was mostly that the, all the, you know, the whole prison lineup shot and, and everything. And, and I did end up seeing that footage because I went to D 23 a month later and they brought that same footage. And I just remember being in love with it right at that moment. I mean, I was already excited about the idea the cast and everything, but right away, I loved the look of it. It just, it just looked so colorful and cosmic and beautiful and unapologetically weird. And I was so into it. So, but I remember when I saw the first teaser, which I think came out February of 2014, it was actually a little bit of a disappointment for me, not because I thought it was bad, but because I already saw that. So everybody else was seeing this stuff for the very first time, but there wasn't really a lot in that teaser that I had not already seen uh, because of the D23 footage. Um, but I loved it, and I loved the whole hooked on a feeling with Blue Swede. And, and of course, I know we all know they they fudged that teaser a little bit to include Drax as part of the, the prison lineup, but we all know that in the actual movie he's not part of that because they don't meet him until they're already in the kiln. But, uh, yeah, like I was, uh, I was hooked on Guardians right away. Like I, I absolutely... I, you know, I loved that footage at D23, and, and I loved the teaser, even though it was stuff I had seen before, and I wish I was going to, I had wished I could get some new footage. I still loved what I saw. It was, it was a great start for Guardians of the Galaxy, and I, and I think that still rates as one of Marvel's best and most effective teaser trailers ever. Yeah, it was, it was good. I had to think about, you know, the, what it was, because it's been a while since I've, I've thought about it, but yeah, it was, it was one of those things where I was I was scared to see you know uh, Chris Pratt in action, and it was it was cool to, to see the tone they were going with a way even more lighthearted tone. It was very interesting, and which you know I I kind of didn't know what kind of you know tone they were going for, and it was interesting to see that in you know in display and how well it was it was you know it was doing and how much people responded to it. They like so many people laugh at the, that teaser. It's ridiculous, you know? And it's like, wow, that's pretty nuts. So it was interesting. It was interesting. I I liked it, you know, but I'm also a guardians fan. So it was, it's just like, it was like, okay, well I'm, I'm really, I mean, I, every time I saw a trailer or a teaser, it just made me go, okay, I know what I'm getting. I I have an idea what I'm going to get anyway. 
can it will it execute everything looks good but will it execute what i want it to do yeah and and i remember i I think that was the thing for me too though is it wasn't so much whether or not i was liking it it was the fact that other people were digging it i think is what got me the most excited um because i was just like yeah like okay like i figured i would be into it because i you know when i i I'm up for whatever when it comes to these comic book movies. It's like, yeah, let's go. Even if I'm not super familiar with it, I'll get familiar with it by the time the movie comes out. <laughs> like, let's go ahead. You know, I got Marvel Unlimited. This is this is this is all good for me. Um, but anyway, like I, I I loved that teaser and the the first full trailer that I think came out like May or June. Not re- really, not very long after. Um, being I remember being way into that, thinking that was great because then I was seeing in that one I actually got to see a lot of footage that that you know I had never seen before that wasn't part of the uh, D23 sizzle reel so I was way into that um but you know the, now we'll get to the part of the you know the build up that's a little more personal for me and I can share some stories I haven't shared before at least not publicly anyway but yeah so I mean there were a couple things that were going on for me in this build up like the first was actually that teaser um that hooked on a feeling teaser I remember showing it to uh I I think like a week or two later, I was over at my mom and dad's house and I, I showed them the teaser. And that was the first time ever that my mom actually said, oh, I want to see that. Like my mom had actually, you know, she had gone with, well, first off, she and my dad were the ones taking me to comic book movies when I was a kid. Uh, but then since I had been in a, you know, since I had grown up and started taking my mom and dad to movies, like I had taken them to see Batman Begins, uh, The Dark Knight, Avengers, Man of Steel, like, and they... They always enjoy, you know, my mom always enjoyed those movies, at least, you know, had a good enough time with them. But Guardians of the Galaxy was the first one that she actually said, just based on seeing a trailer, that she wanted to see. So all of a sudden, it was like this thing that I've loved my entire life with comic books and superheroes, and and especially when they're combined with movies. And now, like, that was a way that I was going to bond with my, you know, not that my mom and I had a bad relationship. We have, we've always had an awesome relationship, but then just adding that adding another layer to that through this thing that I've always been so passionate about my entire life my mom getting into that uh, that was really cool for me and that meant a lot and you know there's more as we there'll be more of that as we get into actually talking about the movie itself but the other thing that was really as kind of just you know as we've said before with you Paul with some of these like kind of things that you're going through at the time as you're as these movies are coming out I had it was a weird spot for me in, in 2014, especially in that first half of the year, because right around the time that teaser came out in February, uh, February 2014, I had found out that, uh, you know, the job I had had for a while that they were, you know, closing the facility that I was working at. So I was either going to have to relocate, you know, somewhere else across the country and leave the rest of my family behind or, you know, just take a severance package and just brave you know, the unknown and <laughs> go out and try and do something else. And, um, that was when I decided, you know what, like, it's not that I wasn't willing to move for a job. I just wasn't willing to move for that job. And so I just stared down unemployment and I wanted to make a break at doing more of that stuff of covering movies and all that stuff, trying to do that full time. Or if I couldn't do that full time and, and make a livable wage, I was going to work in entertainment. So I was going to do you know, it was a big kind of transition period for me. And, and, you know, that when that first happens, like, you know, my job ended in May. And so, you know, the, at first when it, you know, when it first happens, you're okay. But then after like, you don't necessarily land 
a, you know, a new opportunity right away, then you can start to doubt yourself, or at least I did. And then, you know, but I still, but like Guardians was that one thing that I was kind of holding on to and, and looking forward to. But, you know, when some things weren't landing right away, I was just really wondering like, oh, what's going to happen? What am I going to need to really do with my life? And then uh, with Guardians of the Galaxy, I showed up to Disneyland. My wife and I went there for my birthday. The reason we went is we had annual passes and they were going to premiere like the first scene from Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, not the first first scene, but the... Uh, the come and get your love scene, the dancing Star Lord scene. It was that plus a sizzle reel. They were doing that in Tomorrowland inside Disneyland. Um, so I went to watch that and I wrote a review just based on that, like just based on the scene that I had saw and just like the feelings that I had from it, the way it made me feel as I had felt as a kid watching like Star Wars and Indiana Jones movies for the first time. And all of a sudden, and this is a story again, I've not told on a podcast before, not written about before, but I wrote that article and then all of a sudden, because I follow everybody, uh, it ended up being shared by, it ended up being liked and shared by James Gunn's assistant. And so I'm just, I don't know if James Gunn ever read it, but I'm going to guess that he did. If his assistant was liking it and sharing it, that he probably shared it with his boss. And then this maybe, you know, it was probably just a coincidence. I doubt this was the deciding factor, but within like a few days, maybe a week tops of me writing that article, all of a sudden I got invited to my first Marvel press junket ever for Guardians of the Galaxy. So, because remember, as you guys know, at the time, like I had just gotten a couple of regular press screenings and, and it's it seems really stupid and entitled to when you talk about this stuff, and it is, but, you know, like there's kind of a pecking order when you're covering this stuff as press, you know, and the first thing that you can maybe get into is, the screenings that happen kind of just a few days before the movie's going to come out. Um, but, you know, not everybody gets to go to the junket. That's a tougher ticket to pull. But I got that with Guardians, and it just meant the world to me. Like, it gave me this hope that I could actually make a go at, at doing this stuff. And and so it was a great, uh, it, it was huge for me to be uh, to be able to do that. But it also made me super nervous because I didn't want, <laughs> like, I already really wanted to like the movie, but I didn't want, I didn't want to have like, I have this amazing experience of getting, being able to cover a a Marvel junket for the first time. And I didn't want to walk away hating, like being super disappointed in the movie. But anyway, oh, but here's the other reason I was super fearful of being disappointed. And Paul will remember this very well. (laughs) In 2011, I was really excited about Green Lantern. (laughs) (laughs) So I was, and that was the thing with Guardians is I was very, very confident the whole way, but I could not escape this fear in the back of my mind that, you know, the last time I thought we were going to get a big, cool, cosmic superhero franchise, it completely flamed out with Green Lantern. And, you know, of course there was no sequel and, and there's still, I mean, Green Lantern core is just like perpetually in development at Warner Brothers, but it's not really moving at the mo- at the moment. So I was, I just didn't want that to happen. And I thought, man, if, if Guardians flopped just three, if Guardians was going to flop just three years after Green Lantern flopped, damn it, nobody's ever going to make cosmic superhero movies again. And I like space and superheroes (laughs) like that. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I don't want that to go away. So yeah, I did have that fear going into it. Like I was, it wasn't, uh, you know, none of the, it wasn't based on anything I was seeing. It was just, you know, trauma from that experience three years ago. Hmm. Yeah, it was, I don't know, I was 
I felt fairly, fairly confident, but I also, like you said, there's always a little nerve wracking because you want this to be successful because you don't, because there's, there's is a decent amount writing on this movie and movies like this, because the more they're successful, the more movies they'll make. And this is just the first of many different things, not just superhero movies, but science fiction movies Mm -hmm. that, you know, you want to, you want to see, like I'm a big, you know, Dune fan and, you know, this may not be anything close to Dune, but like again the more science fiction franchises are successful you know the more the studios are going to you know t- start buying up these these uh you know these franchises and and also like we're going to get movies for DC comics Marvel comics Dark Horse comics like all kinds of adventures that we wouldn't have got like 10 15 years ago now are, are all, you know could be all possible so i was confident going into it but at the same time you know i green lantern was always kind of like you bring a great bring up a great point is green lantern was always in the back of a mm-hmm. lot of people's minds including myself you know but the one thing i always went back to was this is not i knew this wasn't going to play it safe this was in literal like literally literally space and it's it's like star, it's like Marvel's Star Wars essentially, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's kind of what they kind of aimed it at. And I don't remember if that was ever said by Feige or something, but I remember that was very much the the attitude. And then obviously they they bought Star Wars, you know, Disney bought Star Wars years later or months later. But but no, it was I remember just thinking like this was kind of Disney's Disney had been working on trying to find their Star Wars, you know, counterpoint, if you mm-hmm. will. For a long time, we, you know, obviously John Carter from Mars and things like that, you know, the franchise that can really be marketable to, you know, to, to families and whatnot and that they can sell merchandise up to Yazoo and everything. This, you know, like star, like a Star Wars, this was their closest thing until they went and bought Star Wars a few months later. But still, this, there's a lot riding on this movie more than just being a comic book movie. There was, it was a little more exp- a little more riding on it. Oh yeah, definitely. And you know, a lot of the stuff that I know Marvel is kind of ramping up towards, you know, I think would have, uh, well, I mean, we didn't even, I mean, we didn't even know how much was really going to be riding on in terms of what they were really going to formally introduce like in this movie, uh, more on that in our Patreon credit scene. But, um, like uh, I have to get plugs out of the way cause Paul's not doing them this week for some reason. But, um, you know, yeah, I remember with Guardians, like, yeah, there was always that thought. So my first viewing of of uh, Guardians was actually, uh, because this was the junket, this was earlier than I had gotten to see a movie before. This was two, no, 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 I think this was like, I don't know, it was a couple weeks before the movie came out. The movie came out on August 1st. I saw it on Friday, July 18th for the junket. And it was on the in the main theater on the Disney lot. And there was, uh, I brought my wife with me and we, we sat down to, to watch the movie. And, uh, because the, the thing that we had watched at Disneyland, I, oh, by the way, I had, I had also seen like the IMAX special event thing they did, which was mainly showing the escape from the kiln. I saw that, um, cause I saw that at some point, I think in June or July, whenever they did that, but yeah, seeing the movie, um, I thought the first scene of the movie was that come and get your love scene, uh, Peter Quill retrieving the orb from uh, from Morag, because that was what I had seen at, uh, at Disneyland. I didn't expect uh, this prologue opening up in 1988, and it shows, you know, we see Peter Quill as a young boy losing his mom to cancer. And as I mentioned before, like this was kind of a, 
you know, the, there was a connection with this movie for myself and, and my mom. And, uh, because of the way that we were bonding over this thing that I was, uh, that, that I had always been passionate about in a way that we hadn't before. And, you know, another thing that, you know, my mom and myself and our entire family went through, and as I'm sure a lot of families went through, and I think that's why Guardians resonated with so many people is that everybody expected, you know, to laugh and, and see a really cool cosmic adventure. But then you saw the emotional weight to Guardians of the Galaxy, and it started in that first scene because I think most of us have had the the tragic misfortune of being in rooms like that, um, where you're walking into knowing that you're saying goodbye to somebody, and you're not even saying goodbye to at least not the best physical version of of, of that somebody. You know, somebody who's um, you know been fighting this horrible disease and you know, and unfortunately it's, you know, the, the disease is not, you know, they're not going to survive the battle. I don't want to say they're going to lose cause you don't, I don't think you lose, but you, you don't always survive. And, and, you know, that one really was a huge punch to the gut and a punch to the heart for me. Cause I had lost my grandmother that way. Uh, I had lost, we lost her that way in 2007. Um, and that was my, my mom's mom. And, and so, and that was the thing is immediately is, you know, my, you know, I knew that I, we had already had our tickets booked for, you know, me to take my mom to see that movie. And right away I was like, oh man, this is going to be so hard. Um, but it was a really beautiful scene and it played out beautifully over the course of the rest of the movie. Um, and, and how that idea of, you know, that bond between a mother and son was just such a huge and, and family, of course, in a more general sense, but specifically mothers and sons being such a huge theme for Guardians of the Galaxy. And it was just kind of, uh, I don't know, this weird coincidence of the way these cosmic forces of the universe working, that this would be the movie, you know, the first comic book movie that my mom would actually want to see. And so like, it was just, it was amazing to watch that. But then the, the entire, it, but it wasn't just about that. It wasn't just about, you know, the, the sentimental nature of it. It was the movie itself is damn good and it remains damn good. I've watched this movie, maybe the most of any Marvel movie um, at this point. And, you know, I, I love and adore this movie because I, I think it, it's just firing on all cylinders throughout. I, I think the first act of Guardians of the Galaxy is one of the best first acts of any comic book movie. And that was the one that they, I know they had the the hardest time with, but the way they introduce the team, the way every character comes into the story and the way they all meet, I think it's just, I, I think it's pitch perfect and they, it's so beautifully paced and it has, it's, it's, it's hilarious. It is awe-inspiring in terms of the cosmic visuals it is a complete fanboy nerd out because holy shit thanos is in this movie <laughs> like and here we're getting a whole speech about infinity stones and, and laying this whole thing out that was kind of sort of introduced in thor of the dark world but here it is for real in guardians of the galaxy and all the way through to the end with you know the with that I, I just I will always love that shot right as Peter grabs the uh, grabs the power stone and and Gamora saying Peter take my hand and it's there it's that opportunity to grab his mother's hand which he didn't do and you know his last chance to do so when uh, right before she passed when he was a boy uh, all the way to him reading that oh finally opening the gift from his mom and reading that letter and and just the fact that it was my little star, you know, that his name, the name star Lord came from his mom, which was not a comic book thing. Um, but that was a touch that James Gunn added. That was so perfect and beautiful to create that kind of purpose 
for that name of, you know, why would somebody choose that name? Why is he insisting on being called that? And because that's the name that his mom gave him, it's just, it was beautiful. Um, you know, the movie was bringing me to tears. Like I just, I loved it. I, I still love it to this day. And I remember being so happy after that first screening, like, because again, I was so nervous that it was going to be disappointing. Um, and I just remember walking out of that movie and we're like, we were driving, you know, my wife and I were driving, like, I was so pumped. I was like, we got to go like get dinner or something now. Uh, cause like, I just, you know, we have to celebrate. And I'm just like si- sitting there saying like, Oh, thank God. Thank God. <laughs> like, I'm so <laughs> relieved that this movie is great because, and I knew at that point it's like, Oh, this is going to make a ton of money. Cause this movie's great. People are going to love this. Um, I, I was just so blown away by that first viewing and also just so relieved that we didn't have another green lantern on our hands. <laughs> yeah. When I, when I first, uh, saw this movie, it was with a, a friend of mine. We, uh, we met at a comic store and we played uh hero clicks together and, uh, we kind of decided, Hey, we should go see guardians together. And, uh, I remember, you know, him being, he's, he was a guardians fan too. and knew the material well. And we saw it and I, I was, I could not believe how good guardians was. I knew I, I was hearing great things, you know, and I remember, you know, I loved the characters. I was not exactly still excited for Chris Pratt's star Lord. And, you know, as if you listen to the old shows on modern myth media, I, I really enjoyed Chris Pratt's character. Uh, I thought he did a great job. I thought everyone, yeah. the movie was pretty much, you know, to me as good as you can for <laughs> a movie like this. And, the balancing act of the the emotional ties that, that you have with Peter and with the humor and the action and the designs and the characters, it was just a perfect like fit for everything. And, you know, I remember, you know, going the, the next day um, to take Morgan. And now my wife really does not like these movies, but she goes with, with me sometimes. And I think she was intrigued to see it looked a little, it looked a little like weird in some places. And that's what attracts my wife. And she loved guardians. And we saw it. Um, I want to say like, we saw it twice that weekend together. And she never does it with me. You know, it was maybe with Captain America, first Avenger because she had really no choice, nothing else to do. So, you know, usually she would just stay home, but she loved guardian so much. We went and saw it together again. Like the next day, we took my nephews in to see it. And then we went and saw it, uh, the next day, just me and her. And it was just a movie that I could, I had to see it every day. I saw it Thursday, Saturday and Sunday and of opening weekend. And it was just a, I could not believe what I was seeing and just seeing like, wow, they, they took, they're taking cosmic Marvel and putting it on screen and it's amazing. And it's a hit with the mainstream audience. Yeah. It was, it was, it was like the most righteous thing that happened to me in a long time for, or at least my geek culture for me in my fandom you know, for me, because it was something that I just never knew what, what was going to happen. What was, you know, what to expect. And I thought it was going to be, I thought it looked great, but now it was not just great. It was fan. It was amazing. And the fact that the best part was all these other people loved it too. So mm-hmm. it was one of those things where you just, I was, I didn't know what to expect the mainstream audience to think, but it was, it was an incredible thing to see it connect with so many people. Yeah, it was wonderful to see the way this movie was embraced. And uh interesting point of trivia is that Guardians of the Galaxy had a higher opening weekend than the first Justice League movie, which like 
Who would have ever thought that was possible? Now, obviously, some of that has to do with Justice League and DC movies. But Stop it, Sean. But, Stop it. I'm just, the numbers are what they are. Um, so anyway, but yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy, like that opening weekend was amazing. Um, I think this is the movie that I've seen the most times in the theater for the MCU, because I think I saw Guardians seven times. Yeah, I think it was seven. Um so I know for some people, like, that's nothing. So, like, I know there were people who saw Guardians, like, ten times and more and whatever, and and uh, good on them. But, yeah, like, uh, but, of course, I have to, you know, talk about it. Because, yeah, my, of course, I did go with a bunch of my family, including my mom and dad, to see it on opening night. We were at the Universal City uh, IMAX, uh, right by Universal, on Universal City Walk by Universal Studios Hollywood. And uh, I knew something was up because, um, you know, as the opening uh, credits were playing, you know, over Peter Quill's first walk on Morag as he's going into that temple to get uh, to get the orb, you know, you you see all these names, and there was a loud cheer when it showed. Uh, you know, it starts off with a James Gunn film, a James Gunn film, and I'm like, huh. And then there's a huge cheer when Sean Gunn's name appears, and I'm like, huh. <laughs> and uh, you know, and then of course another cheer when it says directed by James Gunn. And, and so, uh, I, and so we walk out of the theater and sure enough, who's there, not James Gunn. He was not there, but, uh, Sean Gunn was there. And of course, Sean plays Craglin in the movies. And, uh, he also was rocket on set and has been rocket on set for both guardians films. And then also, uh, Avengers infinity war. So it was just cool to be able to walk up to him afterwards and he was actually there with james gunn's assistant the same guy who had shared my article from you know the month before uh to just be able to go up and say tell those guys whatever you know how much i love the movie and how great of a job they did i didn't pester him for like you know photos or anything like that but i was just you know wanted to say thank you and tell them they did a great job and they were both super super nice so it was just cool to kind of have that experience and be watching the movie on opening night with my family and of course my mom loved the movie and still does uh, Guardians is definitely her favorite Marvel franchise, obviously. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was so cool. And and then just to, I don't want to miss some specific stuff in the movie because I know this show has been mostly build up. But um, you know, I was pleasantly surprised with Drax uh, with Dave Batista. I think James Gunn did something brilliant, and Dave Batista was right there with him uh, with the performance by making Drax so completely literal. Um, like it was just a huge comedy beat. Every time I watched that movie in the theater, you could tell when the crowd really got into it, which is not to say they, they weren't into it in the previous scenes, but when it really started firing is the finger on the throat scene, uh, in the, in the kiln when they're going down to kill Gamora and it's where star Lord meets Drax and all that. Like that scene is hilarious. And, and everything about Drax in that movie is perfect. He has my favorite line in all of the MCU, which is just him sitting on the Milano saying, Behold, when, <laughs> when uh, Peter Quill comes out of the kiln and is just sailing over the, to them. Like, I just, I love that. The, you know, I've always loved the word behold, and Batista's delivery of, the, of that one word is perfect in Guardians of the Galaxy. It cracks me up every single time. Um, Zoe Saldana is everything I thought she would be as Gamora. Uh, Vin Diesel was great as as Groot. He got way more out of I Am Groot than I than I thought anybody would be able to. Bradley Cooper was perfect as Rocket, and I got to give credit to James Gunn for really 
nailing it with uh, with and, and Chris Pratt, obviously with Star Lord, because they they did modify the character a little bit from the comics. But I just kind of like in the way that Iron Man is a little different in the comics than he had been to kind of suit what Robert Downey Jr. is so great at. And I think James Gunn did his own version of that with you know with Chris Pratt and, and Star Lord, and and Pratt was so great. Like they took kind of that. Uh, silly, goofy, kind of man-child character that he had, you know, persona that he had kind of created for himself in comedy. And they took that in there, but they infused that with, um, in the same way that there's that childlike sense of humor and fun, there's also that childlike heart, you know, that unabashed emotion that you really get from Star-Lord in this film. And I think Chris Pratt does a great job. I think it's legitimate, great acting that he does in these movies. And I, I think I just, I really loved his performance, uh, in this film. And of course I loved him again in, in volume two, but for this one, uh, he was just so great. And I, and I also love that the movie was just fleshed out with so many other cool people doing, uh, you know, smaller roles, Glenn Close as, as Nova prime, Peter Serafinowicz as Denarian day, uh, John C. Riley as Rohan Day then becomes, or I'm sorry, Denarian Saul for Peter Serafinowicz, uh, but uh, John C. Riley as Rohan and then Denarian Day after he gets promoted, like that stuff was great. And I also have to give a huge amount of credit to Lee Pace as Ronan the Accuser. I love Ronan. Like I, some people include him in that list. Same. When they try I to love, say, I love you know, Ronan. Yeah. Some people try to include him in that list when they try to talk about Marvel villain problems. I call bullshit. Lee Pace is fantastic as Ronan in guardians of the galaxy. I just watched the movie again today prepping for this podcast. I, I love that performance. I love it so much. I think he is such a imposing villain he has a very strong point of view, a strong sense of purpose. Like I, you know, that righteousness that he has, like, I, I think that's really, really great. And, and I love that, you know, some people think like, oh, well, he's just an errand boy for Thanos. And I'm like, no, but he stands up to Thanos. You know, he tells Thanos, like, I'm coming to kill you. <laughs> like, you know, I'm going to destroy Xandar. Then I'm coming for you. Like, I just love that Ronan had that chance to really break out, uh, as a character. And of course, um, Karen Gillan as Nebula is is outstanding. One, of my, I think she got more to do in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two that we'll have a chance to talk about when we get to that film. Um, but she has some great bits in this one. I love, 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 love. Just in terms of the acting, watch Karen Gillan's face and watch her eyes darting back and forth on that scene in Sanctuary. That conversation between Thanos and Ronan, like when Ronan kills the other. And you just see her like, what the hell's going to happen now? And then, and also when, uh, you know, in a funnier way, when Thanos says that Gamora is his favorite daughter, just the way she rolls her eyes, there's just so much good stuff in there. And of course, Josh, that's our first look at Josh Brolin as Thanos, because it wasn't Josh Brolin in the Avengers. Everything about uh, that first Guardians movie was working so well for me. And it ends perfectly with the... I, you can't even call it a mid credit scene because all it is is the Guardians of the Galaxy will return and then you get Dancing Baby Groot and then at the very, very end, uh, Howard the Duck. Man, that first Guardians film, it's just... It's amazing. It's special. I, I, I love it so much. Yeah, it's... you know Really, I can't really say much more than, other than what you said, Sean. I mean, I think this movie is top five um, MCU films still. 
And, you know, we've gotten a lot of, a lot of films after this, including the sequel. Yeah. And, you know, I think this movie definitely is, uh, is definitely important for a lot of comic movies. And I, I love, love, love this film. So it's, uh, it's, yeah, I think it's top five. I'm not sure it'll, it'll take a lot to dethrone this off, of, off the top five for me. And so, and I just don't know. It's like the Avengers. I don't know if you can, it'll ever be truly taken off just because of the importance that it represents and what it did for comic book films and Marvel at the time. Yeah. This was number one for me up until civil war. Um, but even then, like I'm not, I'm not even a hundred percent sure that I still agree with that, which is why, you know, I stopped doing these numerical rankings. As I've said before in the past few shows, like I have my Marvel masterpiece collection, this one's in it. And I think that, I don't know if this is still overall my favorite Mar- uh, Marvel movie. I mean, you know, the best conversation is a separate conversation, but just in terms of favorite, um, this is probably tied at least at the very least tied for being my favorite. It'll always be my sentimental favorite, uh, you know, for all the reasons that I've discussed going into this, you know, and especially, you know, the fact that it became this thing that, you know, that I was bonding with my mom over. Like, I just, I love that. And, and the fact that the movie leaned so beautifully into that, um, so yeah, there, in that way, it will always be, uh, it will always be a favorite, but you know, historically it's not just about my own sentiment toward the movie. It, it, it goes beyond that because this movie is vital to the comic book genre in a way that, you know, that, that few movies are. Don't forget it was after this movie that all of the sudden that Deadpool, uh, test footage leaked and then we got a Deadpool movie. So that idea, you know, how funny and irreverent and upbeat this movie was, I guarantee you that is what got Ryan Reynolds or whoever leaked that Deadpool footage to go, hey, we should leak this and show people that we think, you know, that we have something kind of like this that we think could work. And that happened. Uh, don't think for a second that Suicide Squad would have happened as fast as it did without Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, for better, for worse. But anyway, the idea of making a Suicide Stop Squad it. movie became much like Warner Brothers went into like, hyperspeed on Suicide Squad after Guardians of the Galaxy. So, you know, it was very influential and it will continue to be influential because when we look at the cosmic side of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which isn't it hasn't even been built up that much yet, it's been obviously got a, a big expansion from Guardian from both of the Guardians movies and then a bit of uh, a bit of Thor, especially in Ragnarok. And then I think we'll obviously get much more, uh, much more of that in the next two Avengers movies and probably some in Captain Marvel. But like in the post Avengers four world where they're talking about not only making a third Guardians film, but James Gunn sticking around and and helping Marvel build up that cosmic side of the universe, all that's going to get traced back to Guardians of the Galaxy. So we're we're only seeing just the beginning of the impact that this film is making on the broader comic book movie genre and then of course more specifically to the marvel cinematic universe and the cosmic side of that marvel cinematic universe so it's really amazing to see you know it's amazing what's already happened but we're still not even there yet in terms of seeing just how much how many more opportunities for other stories that this film uh is going to ultimately be at least have some responsibility in creating it's it's really remarkable and i can't wait to see uh more of it but yeah i mean guardians it's just uh i, I this movie is some it's it's gonna be an all-time I, i'm always gonna consider it an all-timer 
Um, the only way is that the only way that it could be moved out of like top five is because the Marvel masterpiece collection has expanded to 10 films. <laughs> like it's just that it's that good. There's so, there's just so many things working for this movie. And actually that's what makes, uh, I think this movie was so successful and we'll, we'll get to this with other films too, but especially when we get to guardians of the galaxy volume two. Um, so I'm not going to finish this point here, but I think sometimes like when a movie is so successful the first time out, especially when nobody really expected it, uh, and not just in terms of the financial success, but just on a more individual, in the case of each individual viewer, just so surprised at how much they liked it or how much they, they loved a certain movie even more than they expected to, uh, that can create some very, very high expectations that are super difficult to match for a sequel you know, sometimes you can be the victim of your own success in that way, which, you know, not like volume two was something that was, that people hated, but a lot of people don't like it as much as the first one. And we'll get into that, uh, when we discuss that film, but yeah, guardians is an all timer from Marvel studios. It was another big bet, another big risk. Um, I mean, people talked about it all the time in terms of how risky it was. I always disagreed that it was Marvel's biggest risk because I remembered (laughs) like, I remembered them betting the rights to pretty much all their characters on Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk for 2008. So because I remembered that that happened, I knew that Guardians was not the biggest risk, but it was still it was still risky, but it was the kind of thing that Marvel uh, had always done and, of course, has since continued to do is to take big risks, but they they just continue to deliver over and over again. And I think this was kind of the, just to to kind of wrap up, I, I think this was, you know, for the people who say nobody's ever skeptical of Marvel, um, you know, people, everybody just believes that Marvel's going to pull it off. I will agree that there is much less skepticism now than there used to be, but that's because it's been earned. That confidence has been earned. And, and I think, you know, Guardians was kind of the last major step in Marvel Studios getting that confidence from critics, from the audience, from whoever. Uh, because there was a lot of doubt in phase one all the way up through the Avengers. And even after the Avengers, when they announced Guardians, there were a lot of people who thought, oh, now Marvel will has finally bitten off more than they can chew, and this will be their first flop. And it wasn't. And, you know, Guardian, they, you know, I, I think it, th- this was the big turning point. There were a couple of big turning points for Marvel along the way, but this one might have been the biggest. And it was definitely the one where I started seeing significantly less questioning and skepticism regarding Marvel after this movie, because even even the people who thought that Marvel was finally going to have a flop were like, shit, I love that movie. Yeah, it was. This movie is uh, rightfully so an all timer. And I, you know. Yeah, I, I love this movie to death. And we will talk a little bit more about it because we have to talk about what connects this movie to Avengers Infinity War. It's kind of obvious, but there's a lot to talk about. Uh, so that's going to be in our Patreon credit scene. And you can sign up to get those uh, to get that additional content and more at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. You can find all that information. Uh, and if you sign up, you even get your own private RSS link so that you can use that to subscribe to this main show and all of the bonus content that we do uh, over on our Patreon. And then make sure to keep up with us on the website, marvelstudiosnews.com. Please visit our Facebook page, Marvel Studios News. 
click like, share the page, share the articles with your friends, comment on them because that stuff actually really, really helps. Yep. Um, and of course, follow us on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. Paul, where can everybody find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. Sean spelled S-E-A-N. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. 